to Southern Sisters Radio, the show for Southern women and the men who adore them. Join us as we celebrate life from a Southern point of view. Here's your host, author, founder of Southern Sisters Home, Jenny McCormick Earhart. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Southern Sisters Radio program. You like our new music? Yeah, I like the new music. This is such a throwback to my 80s, you know? <laughs> it's funny how we all, depending on your age, you've got that decade that, that made a real impression on you, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to music. I know? have to say, being someone who was born in 1992, I still have to say my favorite decade of music is the 80s. Is it really? Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. My brother listened to it. My yeah. dad listened to it. My mom, I grew up on it's it. It's what so. your family was listening oh, yeah. to is what absolutely. you remember, which kind of reminds me a little bit. My dad used to listen to all the 60s stuff. Uh, he had the soundtrack. Now, of course, when I say it was an, an album, you know, oh, an yeah. LP, <laughs> right, um, to the um, James Bond movie Goldfinger. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's awesome. I thought that was so cool. He used to play that in the house all the time. Awesome. All the time. Good. Well, welcome to the show, folks. We are so glad that you're here to join us. There's nothing more that I like better than getting together and talking about Southern culture, Southern food. Mm-hmm. wine. And I could even say Southern wine, because quite frankly, I've had some really good Southern wine lately. Oh, absolutely. North Carolina, North Georgia. Oh yeah, there's some uh, there's yeah. a winery up in North Georgia I know of, and I can't think of their name off the top of my head, but they're trying like yeah. peach wines and apple yeah. wines and blueberry wines and they're so good. Yeah, and they oh. have these little tours you can go on. Oh yeah. Uh, my best friend Pam, y'all know Pam, uh, <laughs> she and I went to Wolf Mountain Winery. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard of back. it before. Yeah, that was awesome. That's awesome. But while we were there, we saw a group of ladies, seven or eight ladies, being a little uh, raucous, shall we say, <laughs> as ladies can be when they get together. If you're a Southern sister, you know what I mean. Um, but they were there on a tour, and so they were on a little tour bus that was oh. taking them around. And they, <laughs> I think by the time we met them, they had been to four or five wineries that oh. day. <laughs> Are you saying they were a little too I'm not saying any such thing. I'm just saying they were feeling really good. <laughs> they were funny. They were hilarious. But well, guys, it's been a great week. Um, we have a lot to talk about on the show today. We do. Oh, yes. Because you know what's coming up is Mardi Gras. Yay! Yeah, Fat Tuesday. This coming up Tuesday. So much fun. It is right. It's just a good time. And we're going to maybe clear up a few misconceptions that people have about Mardi Gras. What it's all about. I know mm-hmm. that a lot of folks just kind of imagine it as just a drunken brawl in the streets. Um, you know, and for some, for some of you, maybe that's all it is. I don't know, uh, but there is so much more to it. It has some some spiritual roots. Mm-hmm. It's got certainly a lot of cultural history there behind Absolutely. the celebrate the celebration of Mardi Gras. We're going to talk about that. It's going to be awesome, nice. and we're going to kind of feature some um, New Orleans style cocktails. Ooh, we're going to do that in segment two. Dims the good kind. Dims the good kind. <laughs> I got three excellent ones. Nice. Um, I've tried all of them, so they're, and they're wonderful. Um, and and then we're going to do a uh, third segment. We're going to roll on into some Mardi Gras food. Ooh. So I got some classic sort of Cajun Creole recipes for y'all that are easy. And I got a couple of shortcuts because a nice. lot of Cajun cooking um, is is labor intensive and requires oh, yeah. a lot of ingredients. You want to eat at six o'clock at night. You start at five o'clock that you, morning. You, you got to start <laughs> early. You, you do. My one of my actually my favorite uh, gumbo recipe has 25 ingredients in it. And that's and that's not typically how I like to cook. I like to do it quicker and shorter mm-hmm. and as few ingredients as as necessary. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you just can't take shortcuts on some of those recipes. But I've got a really great shortcut, a sort of a Creole shrimp casserole that Ooh. is outstanding. The whole family will love it. Nice. We're going to talk about that in the third Sounds segment. Sounds awesome. Right. And then we're going to wrap it up in the end about how Southern women are sort of bridging the kind of bridging the gap there between being the modern metropolitan woman, but still hanging on to their sort of Southern belle tendencies. Kind of roots. 
And I'm uh, here to tell you, uh, you don't have to give up one to do the other. No, you do not. So we're going to talk true. about that in the fourth All right. the next segment. We sure are. We have a new sign. Yeah, the big, huge, awesome banner behind us. If you're watching on the Facebook Live, you and it? if you're not for shame, you can always check out the Facebook yeah. uh, video replay Catch on it later. Southern Sisters Radio. Yeah, well, you Facebook know, the first page. thing my husband Earl said when he saw it, he goes, well, he goes, because I, I think she's a really kind of cool, sketchy looking, yeah, contemporary awesome looking woman. And he said she doesn't have a mouth. And I go, well, that's kind of what makes her cool. I said, <laughs> and besides, I've got enough mouth for both of us. <laughs> Jenny, Jenny, Jenny. That's how it works here, guys. Yeah, that's a, that's, it's fancy. Thank you very it much. Is. It's very Better than classy. looking at the back of the wall of the yeah, studio. that's very true. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> so let's move on in. I have got a personality test to talk about today. Okay. Um, and this is something that many of you may know about. You've heard of the Myers-Briggs personality test. Absolutely. I actually haven't taken it. No. Officially. Okay. <laughs> I've, done, I've done a little <laughs> self-diagnosis. <laughs> I do a lot of that, um, which is really not a good thing. You should really stay off WebMD. <laughs> it's, it's just because, you know what, when you go on there and try to diagnose yourself, you're going to find you can probably identify the symptoms to a lot of crazy things, uh, yes. you know? Like, I know I don't have scarlet fever, but I do have that one symptom. <laughs> No, it's not possible. <laughs> Can't really be malaria, although I do have some of those symptoms. Oh, no. No, no. Anyway, so, so I'm not trying to, to suggest that you do that, but I will tell you that the Myers-Briggs personality test is one that a lot of folks have taken. My kids, most of them have taken it. One of my daughters took it in college. Mm-hmm. And um, and if you've ever taken it, um, it determines which of two camps you fit into, and it's got four different categories. Yeah. Okay, so you've got the extrovert, introvert, we touched on that a little mm-hmm. bit last week. You've got the sensing and in, and intuitive, right? Okay. So you got E or I for extrovert, introvert. You got S or N for sensing or intuitive, hmm. right? And then you could either be either thinking or feeling. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, you might be thinking. I don't know. Uh, I'm more feeling. Not very often, but okay. <laughs> Getting in touch with your feelings, Nick. So I'm always telling if I really want to get under my husband's skin, I'll say to him, uh, you know, do you you want to talk about your feelings? <laughs> we men don't like to talk about our feelings. No, no. And, and I'll just mess with him. Anytime you, I'm right here. If you want to come talk about it, we can we can just hash it all out. <laughs> I'd rather have a root canal. I can imagine Earl listening um, to this. No, right? <laughs> and then you can be either J or P, which is judging or perceiving. So when you complete the test, you have a four-letter personality type. Okay. Got it? So you might be an INFP or an ESTJ. Okay. Whatever, right? You can read that profile type and better understand what makes you tick. Mm. Now, it begs the question... Um, if we took this Myers-Briggs te- test south, let's just say it heads south, um, we would definitely have to include more categories. Yeah, we would. Absolutely. For the, for the Southern woman. Uh-huh. Okay. And guys, you can you can relate to this too because you, you inevitably know a Southern woman, right? <laughs> so I've got a few to add into the pot. Okay. I'll write a couple of letters that we could add to our, our Southern version <laughs> of Myers-Briggs. How about this one? Okay. A KKGF. Okay. KKGF. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a woman. <laughs> this is a woman who matriculated at a Southern University, where she was president of her sorority and chaired the Rush Committee. She doesn't relate to that Madonna, but she thinks Carrie Underwood is just precious. <laughs> her type is KKGF, Kappa Kappa Gamma Forever. <laughs> there you go. Some of you out there, you know, you relate to oh, this. Oh yes, <laughs> I know a few that do. How about a CHWA? 
Okay. Now, this woman in the South can organize a fellowship hall for maximum flow. She can make a flower arrangement out of weeds if she has to. I know people like this. Mm -hmm. Um, She can organize a bridal tea for 300 in less than 30 minutes. (laughs) And and she can put the preacher in his place when the situation calls for it. Right? She's a CHWA. She is a church hostess with attitude. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Sweetest lady in the world. This is is one of my personal (laughs) favorites. How about this one? An MRTR. I might fall into this category. Yeah. Um, she is every Southern woman with children. She is a an MRTR. Mama rules the roost. Yes, absolutely. I know that personality oh, yeah. type. Mm-hmm. It's the whole because I said so. You are that personality I'm type. Are you Jenny? <laughs> Ask my children. They'll give you an honest answer. Okay, how about this one? I love this one. A BOBP. Now, if you claim that you don't know one of these BOBPs, you might be a BOBP. Uh-oh. Okay, she's pushy, 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 and always thinks she knows best. Uh-huh. Who died and made her the Queen of Sheba? A BOBP <laughs> is a big old bossy pants. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. <laughs> I we hope all I haven't stepped on any toes. <laughs> I've actually got four more. Why don't I put them on the website? Yeah, there guys? we go. And we're going to give away a cookbook in this uh, in this show today. There we so go. So be listening. I'm going to tell you how to do that. You don't even have to work that hard. Nice. Happy Mardi Gras, y'all. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Southern Sisters radio program. We got us some New Orleans music yes, going there. This fits the mood. I love it. You know, I had not been to New Orleans until about three years ago. Oh, wow. And my husband took me for a trip. It's one of the it's strange because I've been a lot of places. I hadn't been there. Um, I wasn't there during Mardi Gras. And quite frankly, I'm not so sure that I'd want to necessarily be there. It's probably a little bonkers this yeah. weekend down there, I'm sure. I, let's just say I'm not so sure how family friendly it is. <laughs> On Bourbon Street. That is very <laughs> <This week>. true. <laughs> like if, you had ch- if you had kids, you probably wouldn't want to go. <laughs> probably but not. What a trip it was, though. I mean, it's an amazing place. Oh, it's it's we- almost like I've never been, but I've always heard it's like walking into a whole different world. It is. You know, folks know, and I've talked a lot about it in my books, how attached I am to Charleston, South Carolina, mm. you know, with its sort of, it's just steeped in history and oh, it's just beautiful. And um, some people, I've heard it, I've heard New Orleans described as as the, um, you know, the naughty little sister of, of <laughs> Charleston. <laughs> that sounds like it may be an accurate description. You know, yeah. it's just a little... I mean, I, don't, I mean no disrespect. It's just a little... A little bit edgier. Yeah. You thank know. you. I was going to say seedier, but I like edgier a bit, better. A little bit more out there. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It is. It is. But it's a gorgeous town. Once again, steeped in history. Mm-hmm. So much to do and see there. Um, you pretty much want to eat your way through the town when oh. you're there. Um, the classic things to do in New Orleans, of course, are, you know, beignets. Um, mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> can't go wrong with the beignets at Café du Monde. Um, having a muffaletta. Uh, is, yes, isn't that a great thing to have? Well. I told you about that. And I mean, they're massive. I mean, my husband and I couldn't even eat <laughs> half of one. They're about the kind of like that that cookie I brought last week that was so massive. Oh, it was, it was a like a cookie. sandwich on steroids. Wow. Is what it was. But guys, in case you don't know all that much about Mardi Gras, mm-hmm. how it started, what it's all about, there are a few misconceptions out there. Yes. Might be fun to clear them up. Sure, let's this do is it. Going to make you seem really smart at your next party. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of fill people in. Now, Mardi Gras, which means Fat Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, there used to be a. Um, 
frozen drink place in Atlanta called Fat Tuesdays. Yep. Yes, there was. I don't know if that's still around anymore. I don't know. I'm I haven't seen sure. one in years. Hmm. Uh, but that's what it means in French. And it conjures up images of drunken revelers, right, engaging in excesses of every kind. But all the debaucherous partying, I like that phrase. <laughs> Debaucherous partying is certainly part of the scene. So, too, is religion, mm-hmm. culture, food, and history. Absolutely. Okay? So, we're going we're gonna to kind of go over a few little things that you may not know about Mardi Gras. Um, Mardi Gras and Carnival are the same celebration. Yes. Okay. You did know that. So, though Mardi Gras technically refers only to Fat Tuesday, the Mardi Gras season actually begins on Epiphany. Right, mm-hmm. a Christian holiday that's celebrated on January sixth. Yep. Right, um, and that is otherwise known as Three Kings Day or the twelfth day of Christmas. Yep. Right, if you start counting from Christmas being the first day. Now, in Brazil and many other countries, this period between Epiphany and Fat Tuesday is known as Carnival. Yes, it right? is. Um, and so, whichever name you prefer to use, the revelries of Mardi Gras last until midnight. On Wednesday morning of mm. Ash Wednesday, yes, which is when Lent begins. Yep. You got your 40 days. Are you giving up anything for Lent? Uh, I'm still considering. I'm, I'm considering things adding things. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> That's nothing, the wrong way. There's nothing I want to give up right now. I love everything I'm doing. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> I'll, I'll think of something. Um, but anyway, so and also Mardi Gras may or may not have pagan roots. Now, there are some mm. people that believe that it that it does have pagan roots. Now, a popular theory holds that Mardi Gras origins lie in ancient pagan celebrations of spring and fertility, mm-hmm. right? Um, now, some experts contend that Catholic churches, um, that, well, that Mardi Gras type festivals popped up solely because the Catholic church was discouraging the eating of meat and the engaging of sex during Lent. Yes. They believe that they trace that back to the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Now, church reformers may have helped to propagate the pagan rumors, these experts say, in hopes of dissuading um, people going a little crazy before Lent. Yes, that is the one biggest thing is Fat Tuesdays. Basically, your final chance to get it all out yeah. before Lent. Right. And it Behave very some- badly. Yeah, absolutely nutso things back in history. And mm-hmm. so, you're right, there was a little bit of discouragement of, well, you know, Lent's not that big of a deal or whatever right. to try and, but people still have a good time. <laughs> Don't they, though? <laughs> I like to say, especially in the South, it's just another doggone excuse for a party. Yes, it is. And we Do love we them need down another, here. you know, I mean, every, every SEC game is an excuse for a party. You know? That is true. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we have got more excuses for parties than anybody That's, I know. We love them down here. <laughs> now, New Orleans did not host the first North American Mardi Gras. Really? I found this to be interesting because you would assume that the origins of Mardi Gras occurred there. I just got done watching a great documentary by Ken Burns about jazz. It talked about the origins of of jazz in the New Orleans area. But listen to this. Mardi Gras is believed to have arrived in North America as early as 1699 uh, when the French-Canadian explorer Pierre Lemont de... mm, I can't pronounce his name. (laughs) You tried. You tried. I, did. I was like I was like running up to it, thinking that if I just got there quickly, it was going to come <laughs> right off my work. tongue. <laughs> but anyway, it was uh, knowing it was Fat Tuesday when he arrived there uh, back in. Uh, he, he knew it was Fat Tuesday back in France. Yeah. He brought uh, the tradition of celebrating uh, Mardi Gras to um, to to uh, Mobile, Alabama. Oh, that's where he was. He held a small gala there, right? Okay. The French soldiers and the settlers feasted and wore masks as part of Mardi Gras festivities, and this was in the newly founded city of Mobile. 
Wow, right? that's pretty cool. And so to this day, this is something that folks from Mobile, Alabama, and I've heard this before, too. I had friends uh, in college who were from Mobile, and mm-hmm. they used to say, you know, we were the original Mardi Gras hmm. in this country, not not New Orleans. Wow. How about that? So they claim to have had the oldest, and they still do to this day, still celebrate it, um, the oldest celebration in North America. That's awesome. How about that? That's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. I would have never thought that. Mobile, mm-hmm. Alabama. Who would have thunk it, right? Yeah. Let's see some other interesting facts here. Uh, now, did you know that Mardi Gras does occasionally get canceled? Huh? As devoted as people are to their Mardi Gras celebrations, and for many folks, this is a generational tradition. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they for years, I mean, I, I, I know people, I have friends who every year they are in a particular parade. They oh, go yes. to a particular ball. Oh, yeah. I watched a whole documentary on Mardi Gras one time. It, it truly is, is fascinating. But there are some reasons to cancel occasionally. Like? Number one, the Civil War. That That's valid. <laughs> I'll give them that. All that, right. You know. yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, world War One and World War Two got canceled for both of those. Okay. Right? How about that? And then there was a time in the 1870s when there was an outbreak of yellow fever, and it was canceled uh, then, too. Everybody was germy, so, so they w- couldn't come. I would say that all of those are valid reasons. Of course, I don't know. Maybe during the wars, it wouldn't have hurt to right. have it kind of get your mind off of things. <laughs> you know. You know, put our arms down and yeah, have a king cake. That may have been, if they would have just had it the first year of the Civil War, yeah. that may have been the end of the war. Been like, hey, the people down here in the South know what's up. Let's just... <laughs> hey. It could have know, happened. Right. Could no, I history. agree. And then they also had a uh, sort of a downscaled version of Mardi Gras um, the year of Hurricane Katrina. Ah, uh, yes. They I know that they back. still tried. They, they still did. did the best they could. And props yeah, them. Things were not quite put back together at that yeah. point. It was only a few months. I think it was... Yeah, because... Hurricane Katrina was in the fall, right? It was like August, September, something August, like September, that. Yeah. Right. And so by the time Mardi Gras came around, they hadn't had enough time to recover. Of so course. they did sort of a um and then you know what in two thousand thirteen it was interrupted for the Super Bowl schedule because uh, the yes. Super Bowl was held in, in New Orleans. I remember that. That year. How yeah. about that? Did you know that king cakes are only eaten during Mardi Gras? Really? Yes. Is that like where they came from originally was the Mardi Gras celebration? It's part of the Mardi Gras festivities, part huh. of the culinary tradition, shall we say, of Mardi Gras. I didn't know that. And, you know, and, and king cakes really are just like a brioche type of cake, oh, yeah. which is, you know, which I love. Mm. Um, that I had a chocolate swirl brioche. Look at me. I go, I'm, I'm like a, I'm like a <laughs> dog with squir- squirrel. Um, <laughs> so I picked up this chocolate swirl brioche from a, a grocery store called Sprouts. I don't know if y'all have been there You've or talked heard to of about it. it. About it before though. It's yeah. fabulous. And, uh, and it was like this big, right? And it was, Ooh. and I thought, oh, I'm going to go home and share that with everybody, you know? And so... <laughs> That look, this is why you need to be on Facebook Live, people. When she said that, she kind of was like, eh. Yeah, well, it we looked so big in the store, but when I got it home and like cut a little piece off for myself, I'm like, wow, you know, it's not that big. And so I just kind of put it away. I didn't really tell anybody about it. <laughs> Four days later, you know, bit by bit, I'm just cutting off a little bit. It was phenomenal. Ooh. A king cake is similar um, to the, the, it's like a brioche type bread, yeah. right, with, with things inside. And it's got uh, always like a sweet white icing, and they'll mm. put the green and the purple and the gold yes. uh, sprinkle sugars on so top of good. it. It's delish. It's wonderful. Let's talk about, I think we have time to do it. Okay. I may carry some of the cocktails over into the third segment. Uh-huh. Why don't we talk a little bit? Let's just pretend we're in New Orleans and we're going to have a classic Mardi Gras cocktail. Yeah. I've got three to sh- choose from. Um, the Sazerac is the classic, quintessentially um, sort of New Orleans style cocktail. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. We're going to talk about that one, I think, in the next segment. One of my favorites here is the French 75. French 75? Yeah. I'm going to cover it real quickly. There's okay. always time for a cocktail. Oh, yes. Right? What you need is one ounce of gin, um, a half an ounce of lemon juice, and a half an ounce of simple syrup, mm. which for you Southern 
folks out there, you know that's equal parts of sugar and water, right? <laughs> just just yep. heat it up and reduce down a little bit. You're going to combine those three ingredients, except for the sparkling wine, which we're going to add, in an ice-filled shaker for about 10 to 15 seconds and then strain it into a champagne flute. Ooh. Okay? Your gin, your lemon juice, your simple syrup. Then you're going to top it with sparkling wine and garnish it with a lemon, lemon, little lemon twist. Ooh. That I like I like good. prosecco for this, guys. About three ounces. There you go. Or six or eight. <laughs> Depends how on how many fat, fat Tuesday is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> We're heading to New Orleans, New Orleans, guys, for Mardi Gras, and we got a great menu coming up. So please stay with us. To the Southern Sisters radio program. Gotta, you gotta kind of have to dance in your seat to that song. You have to. You don't have a choice. <laughs> Does it make you want to head down there? Yes. Yeah. Where are your Mardi Gras beads? I should have bought you some today. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Oh. <laughs> right? Well, you know, well, well. I might earn some. Mm. Uh oh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Go to the store and buy we were t- <laughs> That's exactly what it means. Right. <laughs> we, were, uh, we were talking in the last segment about Mardi Gras, which is coming uh, up this week on Tuesday. Tuesday is Fat Tuesday, mm-hmm. right? And the very next day is Ash Wednesday. Yes, it is. Right, which means uh, the start of Lent, mm-hmm. which means you got to give up something. Something. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm not giving up anything. I'm going to add some things. No, Jenny does it her way. I, 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 I'm teasing. Of course I'm teasing. No, I think I'm, I actually was thinking of this on the way to the studio today. I'm thinking I'm going to try to give up criticizing. Yeah, that's something I think we could probably all stand to do. Don't you think? <laughs> that will be very hard for me because I have I have a critique of just about everything, as, as do a lot of Southern women. We have our opinions. I think the trick is, uh, does sometimes the opinions need to be kept to... yourself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sometimes. Not every opinion, not every thought that comes into your head needs to come out your mouth. My mother taught me that. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, anyway. So guys, we were talking about um, Mardi Gras cocktails in the last segment, and we did not get to the hurricane. And I do want to mention the hurricane because uh, it's it's a personal favorite. Now, we're also, I mentioned the Sazerac, and we don't have time to do that on the air today, but I'm going to post it on the website, Mm -hmm. okay? The Sazerac is perhaps the most quintessentially, um, you know, uh, uh, I guess New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you think of New Orleans, you think of the Sazerac, right? Mm. That's what you got to order. I'm going to put the recipe for that on the website, but we're going to have some fun with a hurricane. Okay. Or as I like to call this, this is just fun punch. Fun punch. (laughs) (laughs) If you attend a party and it is served in a bathtub, do not drink it. (laughs) Stay away. Stay far, far away. (laughs) That's a good rule of thumb. There's no personal experience implied there whatsoever. (laughs) But listen, guys, if you were in the quarter, meaning the French quarter in New Orleans, you okay? You okay with your neck? All right. If you were in the French quarter with entirely too many beads around your neck, this is likely, uh, very likely that you were perhaps drinking from a plastic cup. Mm. It's also the drink you'd most likely be stepping in after... Well, let's just say a long night on the uh, uh, on the French Quarter streets. It's everywhere, right? But we can we can make it a little more tasteful. I'm going to give you a nice a nice 
uh, stay-at-home recipe, shall we say, right? Okay. Uh, Now, with low-quality ingredients, (laughs) okay, this (laughs) this drink is right there with jungle juice, right? But if made properly, this deliciously refreshing, sweet and tangy, uh, tiki-ish potion, right? It will light you up for sure because the heavy hand of alcohol is barely noticed among the fruit. That's the warning, okay? So rather than be fruitful, be careful. Yes. You got to understand what I'm saying. Um, and it doesn't refer, the name hurricane does not refer to the storm. It refers to the lamp. Because that's, you know, the hurricane oh, lamps. yeah, yeah. And so that's why they put them in those those kind of tall glass. Oh, that's sh- you know, pretty per- cool. Yeah, nice. there you know, right? You can thank Jenny for that little there piece of trivia. Uh, but this thing can absolutely hit hard, so board up the windows. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what you need uh, for one serving. Two ounces of white rum, two ounces of dark rum. You know, if you're you're out of the white room, you can do four ounces of the dark, okay? Two ounces of passion fruit juice, Mm -hmm. okay? In a pinch, Hawaiian punch works. Yes, that's very true. (laughs) One ounce of lime juice and an ounce of orange juice, about a half an ounce of simple syrup and a half an ounce of grenadine. Mm. Got that? Add all ingredients to an ice-filled shaker and shake for about five to ten seconds, not long. Strain it into an ice-filled hurricane glass. Mm. Garnish it with a slice of orange and maybe a maraschino cherry, right? And uh, call it a day. Enjoy. Hello. Wow. Welcome to Nolens. Yum, yum, right? yum. Right? But it's not just about the cocktails. Oh, goodness, Nick. no. No, this segment is the food segment. Mm-hmm. My, my personal favorite. And we have got some great dishes to talk about that will kind of help you. Um, let's just say you're staying in the Mardi Gras, but you want <laughs> you want to have a little taste of Nolens. Why right? not? You want to have sort of, uh, you want to recreate that Mardi Gras experience in your own house. I'm going to give you a couple of dishes that you can whip up. And achieve that. Yeah. You understand? Now, uh, for those of you that know me and my cooking sort of approach, right, um, I am not opposed to working hard on a dish mm-hmm. if there's a reason for doing so. But you understand it's also what I'm totally okay to uh, take a shortcut. Take a shortcut once in a while. Mm-hmm. So if, there is, if there's a good shortcut, I will take it yeah. more often than not. <laughs> um, and I've got one for you. How about some slow cooker red beans and rice? Mm. Oh, this is good. You can start this in the slow cooker in the morning. Let it kind of simmer and cook all day long. When you get home from work, mm-hmm. oh yeah, there the house go. is going to smell nice. heavenly. Those of you may have heard of what's known as the holy trinity of Cajun cooking, okay? That is onions, bell pepper, and celery. You're going to find the holy trinity in a lot of Cajun and Creole dishes, mm-hmm. okay? In your etouffees, in your gumbo, your jambalaya, yep. got it? Now, for our for our red beans and rice, we're going to use it there too, all right? So here is what you need. You're going to stir together in a four-quart uh, four slow cooker, one pound of dried red kidney beans, a half a pound of andouille smoked sausage. Mm-hmm. Now, I've done a couple of different varieties. I've done the apple smoked. I've done the, um, you can do chicken sausage. You need about oh, a half yeah. a pound. Now, here comes your holy trinity. You want uh, three celery stalks, right, chopped. Yep. One green bell pepper chopped and one medium onion chopped. All right. You also want three cloves of garlic, minced, one tablespoon, I like to use a heaping (laughs) tablespoon tablespoon. of Creole seasoning, and Mm. you're going to need seven cups of water. All of that goes into the slow cooker. Cover it and cook it on high for seven hours. Wow. That's just an all day long you know, let them hang out in the slow cooker. They're having a little party in there. Mm-hmm. They're having like a little Mardi said, Gras that, that's party. That's the best part about slow cookers is when you come home and just 
Someone's been cooking all day. Oh, wait, right? that was me. I know. <laughs> it makes you feel good about yourself, it does. doesn't it? <laughs> now, meanwhile, you're going to cook the rice, and you need three cups of uncooked long grain rice. You're going to prepare that according to the package directions, and then what you're going to do is you're going to you're going to serve that along with your your red bean mixture. Wonderful. Okay, so I would typically what I like to do is put the red beans into a nice big shallow bowl, mm-hmm. and then put a heaping scoop of that rice right in the center. Yes. I like to garnish it with a little well. Oftentimes, I'll garnish with whatever is looking good in the garden. Um, right now, not too much is looking all that good. Uh, yeah. Some chopped green onions, some scallions, even a little cilantro, a little parsley. Oh, I yeah. would just sprinkle something fresh and green on Make top. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to give you guys a shortcut, okay? This is your answer. For those of you that don't want to spend all day making classic um, gumbo, which, mm-hmm. by the way, is phenomenal. Oh, um, but I've got a family-friendly sort of shortcut version here. It's a Cajun shrimp casserole. It's a hearty seafood casserole, and it's filled with shrimp and cheese and rice, and it gets its uh, sort of Cajun flair from the addition of okra and bell peppers mm-hmm. and a little cayenne pepper. Oh, yeah. Gotta say it like that today. Cayenne. cayenne. Mm-hmm. Mm. Here's what you want to do, guys. And it will be on the website. So if you're driving your car, don't try to, you know, write, don't yeah, try don't, to write it down right yeah, now. No. Stay on the road. <laughs> what you're going to do is you're going to melt a fourth of a cup of butter in a large skillet over medium heat. All right? Now, you are going to add... Um, one chopped onion, mm-hmm. okay, and a ha- one half of a red, yellow, and green bell pepper mm-hmm. chopped, all right? And you're going to add, uh, let's see here, four cloves of garlic. You want want them minced, right? And you're going to saute that for about one minute. Okay, now what's going to be going into this Cajun shrimp casserole is two pounds of shrimp. So you want them peeled and preferably deveined. Yes. Got that? Okay. Now you're going to stir in to your mixture, uh, to, to your onion and your pepper mixture there, you're going to stir in two cups of okra, mm-hmm. fresh or frozen, Right. One tablespoon of lemon juice, two teaspoons of salt. You're going to saute that for about five minutes. Then you're going to add your two pounds of shrimp and cook it for about three minutes or until the shrimp turn pink. Right. And, um, you know, you, you kind of know when that is. Don't. Oh, I, yeah. No longer than three minutes. You don't want the shrimp to get too tough. No. Now, here's the fun little shortcut. You're going to you're going to stir in one can of cream of shrimp soup. Mm-hmm. Now, as a rule. I've never always been the biggest fan of condensed soups, but if you live in the South, right, and you've ever made a casserole, (laughs) folks, it's just part of our culture. Cream of mushroom. You can't be be funny about it. You just got to embrace the the condensed soup. Absolutely. You know, because you're occasionally going to need to use it in certain recipes. This is one that's worthwhile. Absolutely. So you're going to stir in your soup, right? And then you're going to stir in the next four ingredients. That is one half a cup of dry white wine, one tablespoon of soy sauce, a half a teaspoon of cayenne, or more. I like it a little, a little hot. Bit more. I'd go for almost a full teaspoon. It's your preference. And uh, your three cups of cooked long grain rice. Mm. So we've combined everything together. We're going to pour that into a lightly greased 11 by 7 inch baking dish and then sprinkle the whole thing with about a half a cup of Parmesan cheese mm. or more. That's yummy. I always say more with cheese is always better. Yes. <laughs> more is advisable. You're going to bake your lovely Cajun shrimp casserole at 350 degrees for about 15 to 20 minutes or until the casserole is bubbly and the cheese is lightly browned. It's wonderful. Mm, the kids, the kitties will love amazing. this. The kitties will love this too. Oh yeah, right? you know they absolutely will. You know what we're gonna do? We are gonna carry one of our dishes over into the next segment oh. because we cannot lose. We cannot lose this recipe. We are gonna talk about a classic New Orleans recipe, bananas Foster. Oh, it's good. Perfect. So we'll be right back, guys.
Welcome back to the Southern Sisters Radio Show. We're having a lot of fun on the show today talking about Mardi Gras. Oh, yes. Right? And specifically, as with any good occasion, the food. Oh, yes. You got it. Isn't that what it's all about? It's definitely what it's all about. It's always about the food. No question um, what the holiday is. It doesn't matter as long as there's food involved. Mm-hmm. And in the South, we kind of know how to do that right. Well, even if food's not involved, we'll make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we ran out of time in the last segment to cover dessert. And, you can't uh, leave that at the most important part of a meal. <laughs> you know what? If it was any other dish, I would have said, eh, forget it. We'll just put it on the website. But no, guys, we got to talk about this. Because mm-hmm. we got to talk about a classic New Orleans sort of Louisiana dessert, um, Bananas Foster. Oh, yes. And I have met people who say they don't like bananas, but they love Bananas Foster. Okay? okay. This is so to die for. Now, Bananas Foster was invented in a New Orleans restaurant and is still a favorite dessert in Louisiana and across the South today. You know, it's got sort of that unmatched richness and sugar sweet flavor. Okay. I've got a great recipe for you. All right. Ripe bananas, butter, and brown sugar mm-hmm. combine over a high flame to form the basis of this rich and sweet dessert. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, dark rum is added to the pan Perfect. and then lit on fire. Even better. Come on, baby, light my fire, (laughs) right, to form the signature sweet glaze. Now, the key to this delicious recipe is serving the bananas hot, right, immediately over vanilla ice cream. (laughs) Come to me. Are you ready? And there's And this is so, this is really a very easy recipe. It uses a technique called flambe, Mm -hmm. or flambe, right, which is a French term, and it's a cooking procedure in which alcohol is added to a hot pan to create a flame, right? And what you do is you light you light the alcohol mm-hmm. with a match or a you know a little lighter. A Don't get too close to it. Lighter thing, yeah. Right. And what it does is it burns off a portion of the alcohol while keeping the flavors of the liqueur intact. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it? Here's what you need. You're gonna cut four medium ripe bananas in half crosswise and then cut cut each half in half lengthwise. Mm. Got it? You're gonna melt a half a cup of butter in a large skillet over medium high heat. You'll add one cup of brown sugar and cook, stirring constantly for about two minutes. Then you're going to add the bananas in a single layer to the skillet and then remove it from the heat. Okay? Take it off the heat. You're going to stir in one half a cup of dark rum. Mm-hmm. Hello. Yes. Right? And carefully, you're going to ignite the, the fumes of the rum just above the mixture. All right? Okay. Now... Do not try this unless you feel confident in your ability, okay? Or at least have a friend standing by. So what I say when, when I say light is you're going to use a long match or one of those long lighters. You yes. know, like the long ones. Okay. You're just going to light it right above the level of the mixture where the little fumes from the rum are coming mm-hmm. up. You don't want to try to do this after you've stirred the rum into it because that dilutes it. You want to yes. pour the rum in and then light it. Yep. Got it? Uh, and so what you'll do is you'll, you'll do that just above the mixture with a long match and just kind of let the flames die down. Mm. They'll ignite and then they'll die down, right? You're going to return the skillet to the heat and cook for three to four minutes or until the bananas are soft and kind of, you know, that mixture becomes caramelized. Mm. You'll remove it from the heat and serve the bananas immediately over vanilla ice cream. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. Oh, Bananas Foster is amazing. If you're trying to make a man fall in love with you, there, make there you this go. recipe. There you go. You, right? you feed him Bananas Foster, and when you wake up in the morning, there will be a ring on your nightstand. <laughs> Just it could saying. happen. It could absolutely happen. The Never chances under- are greatly increased. <laughs> I, met a, I met a woman once in Mississippi when I was on book tour. She t- she swears to me that she was able to seduce her husband and persuade him to marry her uh, by p- making him her famous um, tomato pie. Then I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Yeah, it was a classic <laughs> tomato pie. It's in the book.
Nice. There you go. <laughs> Don't enter reason to get one. Never underestimate the power of a tomato pie <laughs> or bananas foster. You know what we're actually going to talk about in this segment, though? It's mm-hmm. kind of interesting to me because um, there are a lot of, um, I particularly see it in publications and in the media, yeah. um, sort of, you'll see articles and sort of, um, They'll talk about how they feel that Southern women or how women in general are to navigate the modern world, okay? okay yeah. Or how they are to be a modern woman. Yes. And I do believe there's a misconception here that people in the South think that in order to be a modern woman, that you have to sort of turn away from some of our Southern traditions or our mm. Southern t- tendencies. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, yes. I'm here to tell you that's not the case. Time to be a modern Southern woman. Yeah, you can do it, right? And one, I mean, definitely every woman wants to carry herself with sort of, you know, I think decorum and grace, Mm -hmm. right? But that does not mean um, that you have to be the kind of woman that we see necessarily portrayed on television or in the news media. Absolutely not. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So here's here's some thoughts for you guys uh, as how Southern women... Uh, how that compares to being a modern woman and how a Southern woman can be a modern woman. Number one, think of it this way for a Southern Bells. Southern Bells take care of their partners and they value relationships more than just hookups and partying. Mm-hmm. Okay? They can have some fun, but at the end of the day, they do want someone to come home to. Mm-hmm. So, kind of like when you see modern women portrayed in the media or in movies or on television shows, a lot of times it'll show them that, oh, you know, the new modern young woman, she's just interested in dating as many guys as she can, or she's just interested in partying, and this is what you have to do, you know what I'm saying, to be yeah, a modern woman. I, mm, I think that's a little bit of a mm-hmm. misconception, I think, that most actual women aren't that way. Aren't that way. Yeah. Southern or not. Right. However. Yeah. Most women... Southern, are not Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> do, you, do, do you even know that reference? <laughs> Should I be worried that you even know that reference? <laughs> Here's another gracious. thing about, about Southern women uh, being modern women. They take care of themselves, right, and the way they look, not because they want to please a man, although that can feel good, but because they know that they're looking, that looking put together means the whole world will take you more seriously. Yeah, okay, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So the modern Southern women do not feel that you need to be dressing for a man, right? Uh, but you're dressing for yourself. Yeah. And you're dressing for, uh, in, in thinking with the image that you want to set forth, right? Absolutely. To the world, how they're going to view Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So I believe that's true. How about this one? Even though Southern women work out and take care of their bodies, they aren't afraid of eating and would not be caught dead picking at a salad on a first date. <laughs> I always, always grown, I, my dad always told me, Son, always be wary of a woman who won't eat some food. Really? Just because. If she won't eat some food, she's hiding something else. Right? Because everybody likes to eat food. Isn't that the truth? (laughs) Isn't that the truth? And quite frankly, there are a lot of people that will tell you nothing is sexier than a woman with a good appetite. Absolutely. I think that's true. Right? Get the the rib juice on your fingers sometimes. Yeah. Lick it up. Go for it, honey. Yes. I'm sold. You know what? I I, I interviewed a man. He's he's quoted in my second book, Seasons in the South. He talked about falling in love with his wife and how he knew that she was the man, the woman for him when uh, when he watched her eating a burger. He took her, he took her out, and she just she ordered this big old burger and just put it away. There you, you go. Know? <laughs> now here's another thought on Southern women uh, being modern women. Now they have the gift of gab, 
and they know how to charm anyone and can get valuable information from anyone they need to. Mm-hmm. See, this is called harnessing the power of the Southern woman <laughs> and bringing it into the modern age. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. My husband knows this for a fact. If he, if he, if we go to an event or something, if he leaves me alone for five minutes to kind of, you, you know, make a new best friend. I will, yeah, I will make a new best friend, and I'll, I'll, I'll learn more in five minutes than he would have learned in five years uh-huh. from somebody. That's true. I don't know what it is about you, ladies. You can. You can find out the deepest, darkest secrets to some people over one right. cup of coffee. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's not that, that we're looking, you know, it's not, I, w- I don't call it gossip at all. I think what it is is you meet someone, a lot of women are good at, Southern women particularly, are good at just cutting through the fluff. Yeah. You know what I'm you saying? You get right to the point, but you don't put it harshly either. Not it's at the all. best part about it. No, just being real is yeah. what it is. Now, how about this? Not knowing how to cook is just not an option for a Southern belle. And it's not an option for a a modern woman. Mm -hmm. Now, Southern Bells were raised to know how to make a good meal, to feed themselves and the people they love, and to have people looking forward to coming over for dinner. Mm -hmm. How about that? Now, this does not mean you need to be Martha Stewart stuck in the kitchen every day, right? But (laughs) it means you got to know how to roast a chicken. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and occasionally it's okay to order pizza yes. if you have to. I know. No, one, no one's going to hate you not for it. Not at all. But. You're talking to the queen of shortcuts <laughs> here. So I'm not saying you got to slave away. Uh, but, you know, to, to know how to put something delicious and yummy on the table for yeah. your family, that's, that's important, right? <laughs> how about this? Family is the most important part of a Southern woman's life. And having frequent phone calls, meals, quality time with the people they love is essential. They are not the kind of girls who just call their mom on Mother's Day or their dad on Father's mm-hmm. Day. That makes a Southern woman real. And that, Absolutely. And quite frankly, can make her a modern woman, too. Um, I have a good friend who just recently got a new job. She, she was hired at a, a big, big firm. And she said she loved the way how um, she was able to talk to the company and they were able to understand, you know, they they broach the subject with her also on the concept of work-life balance. Mm. Right. You know, if, you, if your employees have a good work-life balance, they're going to be better employees. They do better work. Right? Very true. So I don't know that necessarily sacrificing one for the other is necessary in either direction. Absolutely not. You know what I mean? Now, unlike the modern woman, the career is not the most important part of a Southern Bell's life. Right? They work, and they can have professional high-earning jobs, but they know that a career or a pr- promotion, right, of an extra $1,000 a month isn't going to be what keeps them really happy or make life worthy, mm. you know, worth living. Yeah. Now, I, I actually read this one. There's a, there's a point at which um, an increase in income is not met with a comparable increase in happiness. Yeah. You know, there's a threshold, they say there, where you need a certain amount of money to cover your basic needs and mm-hmm. to have a certain level of comfort, but then you reach a point where... You know, the incremental increases in salary don't necessarily improve your quality of life that very much true. or your happiness. Yeah. I think that's true. probably true. And you're right. I think most Southern women, while obviously taking their jobs very, very seriously, it's not what defines who they are. No. They're very proud, very successful, but they're not that job. Right. And I think that is a distinct difference. Yes. And, and kind of the, like it, you said, the cosmopolitan view yes, of a modern woman yes. versus a southern Cosmo. woman. You're right. Marie Claire. You know, we don't need her to tell us how to be modern modern Absolutely women. Absolutely We are the southern version of a modern woman. And, and don't make so it, much better. Right. Don't make any apologies for that. We've had a good week, right? Yes. It's been a great show. We are giving away a cookbook, y'all. All you have to do is email me at radio at southernsistershome.com. Check out our website, too, southernsistershome.com. Lots of goodies. Yeah. Have a great week, y'all.